Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, last week we, we kind of started what is a part one of just a two-part series that we're calling One Small Step and talking about what it looks like to put yourself in a place where you can experience God's best in your life. The principle, kind of the, the spiritual concept that we're working off of is this, that a spiritual experience sometimes requires a physical step. I think oftentimes we think that something spiritual means that we have to just have it all in a spiritual way. And oftentimes it requires a step of obedience. It requires a step of faith for us to put ourselves in a place where we can experience the things that God has for us. So like last week, we're, we're going to jump into a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 9. We're just going to kind of read it, talk about it, make some observations, and then we're going we're gonna to pray together at the end about some things that we're going to see and learn in this passage. I almost didn't preach this passage because I, I had uh, begun working on the message I thought, why does this kind of feel familiar to me? And I realized that I had preached this same passage of Scripture two years ago when we had the service that was the the church at the fair. Does anybody remember church at the fair? Second hottest outdoor service in our our history. Do Do you remember the first hottest? just two weeks ago, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, you remember some of you are still bitter, but I'm glad you're here and, or maybe you're not, I don't know. But anyways, I preached it at church at the fair and I thought, wow, man, that's barely two years. I don't think I can preach it again. And yet I felt God stirring something in my spirit that that's where I was supposed to be today was to talk this passage of scripture. And God reminded me that his word does not have a one-use policy. You know that, right? Why do I share that? Because sometimes it's important for you to know that you can read the same passage of scripture over and over again and the spirit can speak to you in different ways. God's word is living and it's active and it's alive and he's gonna use it, I believe, in our hearts today. This message is, is timeless. In fact, anytime you open God's word, It's timeless. But I really do believe that for some of us. This word today is timely, that it's important for where you are right now. And if you do find that the Spirit is speaking to you specifically today about your life circumstance, through what we're going to look at here in Mark chapter 9, I hope you'll be open to responding in what he has to say. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it starts like this. When they, who who are they? Well, it's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John were kind of the, the, the three closest of the disciples to Jesus, kind of the leaders of the disciples. When they came, and we'll talk about this in a minute, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And then as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. Where are Peter, James, and John, and Jesus coming from? Well, they've just been up on a high mountain. Uh, Tradition says it was Mount Tabor. We probably believe that maybe it was Mount Hermon, which is the highest mountain in in the region there in Israel. And they'd been up on this mountain. And when those four guys were up there, Jesus, the scripture says, was transfigured, like he was seen in all his glory. It was the spiritual high point in the lives of Peter, James, and John up to this point. No doubt about it. It was an amazing experience for them. And then what's funny is they come down off the mountain. They come down off this mountaintop religious experience, and they go smack dab into real life where people are arguing. You ever had that experience? You got a high high, and you come right down to real life. And that's what happens here. And Jesus has just had this incredible encounter 
And he comes down to find some of his disciples arguing with some of the religious leaders. Have you ever had that happen, parent, where your child does exactly what you wish they weren't doing? You round the corner and you walk right into the argument. And in that moment, Jesus wants to know what is going on here. Verse 17, Mark chapter 9, verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Remember that part there. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. What was wrong with this guy's son? Like some people have speculated over time, well, maybe he had epilepsy when you hear some of those different, or maybe he had some kind of some issue or challenge. And, and scripture even says that he was possessed by an evil spirit. So we could speculate all day about what was going on. You might even speculate about some things you've seen in, in the lives of other people in your world. Here's what we know one way or another, that there was an evil influence in the life of this son. And because we live in a broken world, this father was bringing his broken son to Jesus to see him be made whole. In this process, he brings his son to Jesus. He steps out of this kind of fallen world that we're in and he says, Jesus, can you fix what is broken here? Remember what our, our kind of key concept here is, and this is important when you see this man's life, that a spiritual experience sometimes requires a physical step, which is exactly what this guy does. As we read this again, you're going to see just how much he puts himself out there. The physical step he takes to bring his son to Jesus. What's really important here, though, is you're going to watch and see it's not easy for him to do this. He has to overcome some hurdles and struggles. Look, this guy is a normal person. He's a normal parent. Many of you can relate to him and what is going on in his life. And there are these moments where we have to be willing, if we want what is up here, you're gonna have to step out there and do something about it. I, was anybody here when I told the story of the St. Louis Arch last week? I had a very similar experience in New York City just before, it was early, first week of March last year, 2020, just before the whole world kinda turned upside down, visited a friend that lives there. He says, I've planned a great day for us. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do that, and the last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go up in the Freedom Tower. You know the tower that's, that's on the side of the World Trade Center? It's an amazing thing to see, but when you're scared of heights, you just wanna see it. I just wanted to see it. I don't have to do it. He's like, I bought tickets and everything. Oh man. So we went all day, we're walking around the city, and I'm like, there it is. Cool to see. And then eventually we got there, and he says, even the elevator ride's fun. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I bet it is, you know? <laughs> and then I realized if I want what's up there, I might have to step in here. And I stepped in there. I took that one small step. And I'll tell you, once you got up there and saw it and experienced I wouldn't trade for anything. Like, it was such a cool experience. But I had to take that step of faith. This man in this story had to take a step of faith. But what I want you to see is sometimes we think step of faith, hey, it's gotta be easier, it's gotta be fun, it's, gotta be, it's just gonna naturally happen. And the re reality is, this guy struggles with a lot. Like odds are, we're, we're gonna look at four things we sometimes struggle with as we look at his life today. 
And odds are that you probably struggle with one of these things. You may struggle with more than one. In fact, some of you may get a perfect score today. (laughs) You might struggle with all four. You might be in in a season in your life where this message is very timely, and you're going to relate to this guy. Look, stick with me to the end here, because this story has a really powerful point to make at the end. Four things we struggle with. Here's the first one he struggled with. Number one, he was defeated. In this story, when you look at this guy's life, he was defeated. Think of this. When he brings his son to Jesus, he has reached a real breaking point where he's just like, I got nothing else to do. Look, no father wants to stand in a crowd of people and say, this is my son. (laughs) He's possessed of a demon. He can't speak. When it comes on him, he he just kind of loses control. He often hurts himself, and he puts other people in danger. Here's the worst part. I can't do anything about it. Have you ever been in that spot where you're totally overwhelmed by the things that are around you? And you start to wonder, is there anything I can do here? Is is there any, any strength in me? You feel helpless. Maybe some of you as a parent have actually seen where something is happening to your child and you don't know how to fix it. Maybe like this dude, you feel like the devil is actually out to get you. I'm gonna guess that for every one of us, you have had some moment where you have felt that kind of defeat in your life and you're stuck and you're not sure what to do. When I was the kids pastor, this is going back a lot of years, I remember there was a a day we were still in our former building on uh, Glendale Avenue, just kind of Glendale and Reynolds there, if you're not familiar with where we used to be before we moved here. And and it had been a busy, busy season for me, and I had been kind of running, going all the time, things, home and church and all those different things. And there was was this couple of days where every time I got in the car, I would look at the gas gauge, and I would go, ooh, I'm getting low on gas. I better fill up next time. You ever done that? Ooh, I better fill up next time. Ooh, I better fill up next time. And I don't remember the whole story. I just remember I had to run from the church on Glendale down to UTMC and visit somebody in the hospital because I'm super pastor. And I got in the car and I was like, ooh, better fill up next time. So I ran to the hospital and then I got in the car at the hospital and I was like, mm, I got to get back for a meeting. So on the way home, I'll fill up next time. You ever done that? Because I'm just pushing, pushing, pushing. And I remember I was driving and I'm coming back down Glendale and I got about to where you, you go through the light at Cass Road and all of a sudden my car started making this very unfamiliar sound. And it literally, it literally, the car literally died. You know that center turning lane? Where it's like you got the, you know, the two lanes, the two lanes, and then the one in the middle where you take your life in your own hands. Anybody know what I'm talking about? pulled into that lane and the car literally, the church's driveway is right there and the car went and died right there. I was like, I'm stuck. Like I can't go anywhere. I I can't move. I'm out of gas. Fortunately, I was able, if you don't know Jim Phillips, Jim is our maintenance guru around here. And just for another time, Jim came and saved the day and had some gas and helped me get in the parking lot. And we were able to kind of get things moving. But the moral of this story is, if you run out of gas, pray you're near the church. Can I get an amen? (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not the moral. The moral is it happens to all of us. Like you might know what it's like to have your car run out of gas. But I guarantee you, you know what it's like to run out of gas. Like where you're just kind of feeling stuck. What do I do? How do I fix this? How do I move on? And then what usually happens to me, and it's probably happened to you, is at some point you get to the point where you go, I don't think I can do this. I don't know that I have what it takes. 
I do not see how this is gonna work out. And in those moments, we're prone, if we're wise, to go, God, help me, which is exactly what the guy does in this story. He brings his son in this moment of kind of personal defeat where he's overwhelmed and there's nothing he can do about it. He brings his son to Jesus, but watch what happens. Mark chapter nine, verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. Now, if you remember when he brings his son to Jesus, where is Jesus? He's up on a mountaintop having a spiritual experience. And in the lowest moment of this guy's life, he brings his son to Jesus and Jesus is nowhere to be found. He's not even there. Can you imagine when this guy shows up for church and realizes that Jesus isn't even there? He was disappointed. The second thing that this dude struggles with in this story is disappointment. Because in the very moment where he takes that step of faith, it feels like Jesus isn't even there. And he wrestles, number two, with disappointment. If we're honest, this is, this is a hard thing, but it's a reality in life that you think things are going to go one way and then they end up going another. Anybody ever been there? Like you have it planned out. You, you know how things should move. And then something comes your way that you did not expect. And in those moments, how do you handle it? Because life is filled with surprises, little things that pop up, <coughs> excuse me, that end up changing the whole game. Because you think it's going to go one way, and then it ends up going another. August 2nd, just about a month ago, New York Yankees are playing the Orioles at Yankee Stadium. And maybe you saw this. All of a sudden, right in the middle of the game, a cat runs out on the outfield. Not sure where the cat comes from. Cat just shows up. Not that big of a deal, except you got to stop the baseball game because now a major league baseball game has to stop because some cat's out there running around. And so they have to go out and they have to catch the cat and they can't catch the cat. Because every time somebody goes to get it, this cat, who's probably terrified, because there's all this noise, all these people, all this thing, and you talk about stage fright, all of a sudden you got this cat. Every time somebody gets close, the cat takes off, and the cat's running and running. It takes eight of the field managers out there to try to catch this cat. And if you haven't seen it, search for it online, because it'll be the best three minutes of your day. I was going to show it, but it's three minutes long, and you would like that better than the rest of the sermon, so I decided to just make it your homework. And this cat's out there, and it's hilarious because there's times where the cat just cuts underneath the, the legs of multiple of these people all at once, and people are cracking up. The players are laughing. It's hilarious. The commentator goes, I wonder if the cat would be more comfortable if the tigers were in town. Like, isn't that, you know? At one point, the whole stadium's going, let's go, cat. Let's go, cat. Let's go, cat. It's just, it's fun to watch. If you're not the field manager... If that's your field, and all of a sudden there's a cat in your outfield, it just messed up your whole day, just threw off your whole game. And something you did not expect has derailed everything that you're supposed to do. Have you been there? Have you dealt with that kind of disappointment where you wake up one day and all of a sudden there's a cat in your outfield? And you go, how am I supposed to deal with this? Because I didn't see it going this way. I didn't think that my kid would have to be masked. I didn't think that I'd be alone this soon or for this long. I thought I'd retire in that job or I thought my family would look different than this or I really thought that God was gonna show up in a way that he, it seems like he hasn't. 
And what makes this story even worse for the guy that we're dealing with here is who he's disappointed with is Jesus. Because he shows up to have Jesus touch his son, and initially Jesus is up on some mountaintop. He's nowhere to be found. And so he's dealing with disappointment in life. And maybe today's a day where you know exactly what it's like to have a cat in your outfield. And you go, since that thing showed up, things haven't been the same. And if you're honest, maybe it's led to anger or frustration or depression or hurting or questioning or disappointment. And you feel all alone. And in those moments, you show up defeated and disappointed Watch what happens next. Mark chapter 9, verse 18. The father says, whenever this spirit seizes him, throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. He had heard about Jesus. Most likely when we read the Gospels, we're led to believe that he'd also heard about his disciples because Jesus wasn't the only one doing miracles. He sent his disciples out and there were healings happening where they went too. So he shows up, he's disappointed that Jesus isn't there, but at least, at least the minor leagues are there. At least it's the B team. We'll give that a shot. So I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Number one, he was defeated. Number two, he was disappointed. Number three, this guy was disillusioned. See, he had heard the hype. He'd heard the news. He'd seen the promo that Jesus came to town. And when he did, there were healings, either because Jesus touched people or his disciples touched people. He believed that Jesus was the healer. And then when he shows up, he's nothing but let down. And he gets disillusioned with God's people. He shows up for a miracle and ends up just frustrated. I'd like to, I'd like to park here for just a moment because odds are that either in this room or watching this on TV or online somewhere is somebody who can actually relate to that guy because there was a moment where you showed up hoping that God's people would help you and instead you were just frustrated. You came looking for answers you came searching for hope. You thought that maybe you'd find a place where there was some healing. And instead, when you asked them for help, they could not do it. And you've been disappointed by religion or by a church, maybe even by Christians, because you had questions that weren't answered or needs that went unmet. And when I said this dude was disillusioned, you raised a hand and said, yeah, me too. It's a very real thing that happens to people in different places. It happened to this guy in this story. And I think it's important for us to say that churches are not perfect places. And Christians are not perfect people. Anybody here ever been forgiven? Man, am I thankful for that. That God offers his forgiveness. And if you've been in a place where you've been disillusioned and maybe hurt and disappointed with God's people, track with me through the rest of this message. Like, don't quit yet because that's this guy's story too. Like, there's a lesson to be learned in how he handles this moment and how he handles this story. And here's the part that makes it worse for me. What makes it worse is he comes to God's people hoping to find healing and instead what he gets is them arguing with one another. 
He's looking for healing. And instead, Jesus' disciples are too busy arguing to bring that healing to him. Dear God, may that never be our story. May that never be who we are. That we spend too much time as Jesus' disciples fighting over who and what is right that we miss out when a world is coming to us just searching for healing. So many times we want to be right, and I've decided I'd rather be righteous than be right. I'd rather be a place, I'd rather be a person who is willing to see what's going on in someone's life and step into that place and help to be a conduit for healing than prove that the things that I feel or say are correct. Does that make sense? That's a calling that we have as God's people. And where this guy is left in this story, he's defeated, he's disappointed, he's disillusioned. Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Things are getting better, huh? <laughs> they're not, they're not. But let's, uh, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. It's interesting that when you see this story, things actually in those verses just went from bad to worse, didn't they? Like you would think that as the boy gets closer to Jesus, his mind would start to get clear. You would think that as he gets closer to the healer that the healing would start to come on. But instead what happens is the closer he gets to Jesus, the wilder he starts to act. First it was just tell, now he's got show. And there's a whole crowd of people stepping back and watching as this boy lives out this father's worst nightmare. And he's like, are you kidding me? It's getting worse here. Have you ever found that sometimes things get worse before they get better? Sometimes you gotta hold on, but this dad with great reality is watching his son's life fall apart in front of this crowd of people and the only person he thought could make a difference. And so when Jesus asks him, what's going on here? He says to him, well, if you can do anything, here's the fourth thing we see in this guy's life. Number four, he doubted. He doubted. Because when you look at Jesus and say, well, if you can do anything, that's not a bold expression of faith, is it? In fact, I'm sure that if he had had half a chance when, when he said, well, if you can do anything, there would have been well-meaning people who would have gathered around him and said, oh, buddy, you don't have enough faith. You'll never see a miracle. You don't have enough faith in this moment. Although you don't see Jesus saying that here, do you? In this moment, this guy experiences some things that you might experience in life. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And he's there and he's doubting. And he's wrestling with these thoughts. And he says, Jesus, if you can, if you can, if you can. I came here believing, but I'm not so sure now after everything that I've seen. Why stress this idea of doubt? Because it's a very real thing and one that oftentimes we don't like to talk about in the church because we feel like if we express doubt, then it means we don't really believe. 
that doubt's not a normal or a natural thing. And the reality is that I think at some point, we'll see this here in a moment, it's something we all wrestle with at times. And actually, it's kind of become trendy to doubt. Like there's this kind of undercurrent that flows where people are like, well, I think I'd like to deconstruct my faith. I think I'd like to focus on my doubts. I think I'd like to kind of hone in on the things that I actually don't believe. And can I, can I ask you, if you're wrestling with your faith, like if you're struggling with doubt, hang on, hold in there. Don't give up on your faith. What I want you to see, if you're tempted to walk away from your faith, I plead with you. Take the path that this man takes. It's okay to confess and go, look, if you can do anything. Here's what's interesting here. Jesus keeps asking this guy questions, doesn't he? So like, how, how long has your son been like that? You don't think Jesus knows? Like he knows. He's not asking that guy those questions because he's you know, filling out a questionnaire. Jesus isn't taking a survey of the demonically oppressed. This isn't a research project. He's making a connection one-on-one -on -one with this guy. He's saying, look, man, I know what you're going through, and I feel where you're at, and I'm right here with you in the middle of this. And this guy with a broken heart looks at Jesus, defeated, disappointed, disillusioned, doubting, and says to him, if you can do anything, watch what Jesus says, verse 23. <laughs> if you can like, do you know who you're talking to? He's not being cocky here. He's being encouraging. Did you say if? If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Jesus says, if you'll put your faith in me, if you'll put your trust in me, I know where you're at, and everything is possible for one who believes. This may be the most important part of this story for you because there's a tension that's happened here. A defeated father brings his broken world to Jesus for healing. He's disappointed, he's disillusioned, he's honest about his doubt. Jesus, if you can, and Jesus says, everything's possible, to which, in one of the most honest and probably encouraging passages of Scripture, the man replies, Mark chapter 9, verse 24, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Isn't that a good word? <laughs> Jesus, I, I believe. That's why I'm here. Jesus, I believe. That's why I'm bringing this to you. But you gotta understand that inside of me, there's, there's some doubt. I've been disappointed. I've been disillusioned. I kind of feel defeated. So Jesus, I believe, but will you help me overcome my unbelief? The theologian John Calvin says it this way. This man declares that he believes and yet acknowledges himself to have unbelief. These two statements may appear to contradict each other, but there is none of us, and, and, and please take this to heart, but there is none of us that does not experience both of them 
in himself. Some of us think that if we have this little seed of doubt, then somehow we don't believe, or somehow we're no good, or somehow God can't work. When that tension, that reality of belief and unbelief is actually a place where many of us live, and it is a normal place to be. Does that make sense? Like we find ourselves in that place sometimes. Have you ever had a moment in your life, for for whatever reason, where it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep? You're stuck in that moment and the thought runs through your mind, I don't think the morning's ever gonna come. I think this night's gonna last forever. You might even start to question if there even is a sun that exists. And yet, what do you know? That eventually, the sun's gonna rise again. And you know that and you put your hope in that. You don't ever go out on your front porch and go, son, I believe, help my darkness unbelief. And yet it's true with Jesus. So many times we wonder, is he ever gonna show up? Is there ever gonna be an answer here? Is there ever gonna be hope? And it's okay to express. It's okay to say, Jesus, I believe. Now will you help my unbelief? Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him, and violently came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. Hallelujah. (laughs) Not what we expected. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. That boy was never the same again. Here's here's the part that just gets me. What if his dad had checked out sooner? He comes there out of gas, and he brings his son to Jesus, and Jesus isn't even there. There's a cat in your outfield, isn't it? And with that disappointment, he could have stepped away then and said, that's not worth it. And then when he brings them to God's people, and not only can they not help him, but they're too busy arguing to even realize maybe what's going on, he could have just said, all right, buddy, let's let's just go home. In that moment where Jesus starts to talk to him and ask him questions, and he's feeling that doubt, there was no reason that he even needed to stick around. Because he could have thought, well, the sun's never coming up again. And this is just where I find myself. Do Do you know what's so powerful about this story? is that he did not give unbelief the last word. He did not let his doubt win out. It's not that it wasn't there. He just says, I'm not gonna let that unbelief have the last word. Jesus, I got unbelief. Will you help me with it? Because I do believe. And he entrusted that situation. He entrusted that child. I think so many times in my life, I've missed out because I turned around and walked away too soon. I let unbelief have the last word. I failed to acknowledge, yeah, I struggle with some of this, but Jesus, I'm gonna put my hope and my trust in you. Even in the middle of the fact that it might seem like it's getting worse before it gets better. Even if there's a moment where people go, he's dead. (laughs) Jesus, I believe. So will you help my unbelief? Don't you turn around and give up. Before you get what's up here, you remember that sometimes you gotta be willing to take a step out there. 2012, I had a real privilege to to go to the nation of South Africa as a church. 
we were planning to make a two-year investment of teams and money and time to go and partner with a church in, in South Africa. And so there was an advanced team of us that went ahead to go and see and meet with the leaders and kind of figure out how we were gonna make all that work. We went and worked with this missionary named Leah Fuller. Anybody ever heard of her? She ended up moving to the United States and changing her name. It's a long story, but uh, <laughs> Leah was a missionary in South Africa at that time. And so we'd been there for about a week and we'd been visiting with pastors and checking out things and kind of working this whole thing out. And at the end of the week, she said, hey, would you like to go? You know, there's a, there's a game park near here. You're all this way. Do you want to go like on a safari? We're like, yes, please, let's go. She says, well, usually I go this way, but I can't go this way this time. So I have to take a different road to get there. So we'll, we'll go this different way. Yeah, whatever. Let's go. Let's go. And so we get in the car and I'm sitting in the back seat and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and we're not, we're, it seems like we're not going anywhere except out into the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and the longer we drive, the further we are from any kind of civilization, the longer we drive, the more the roads start to deteriorate. The further we drive, the more I have faith to believe that I'm going to die in this place. Like if something happens, no one's going to find me, but a large animal. Right, and I'm starting to lose all kinds of hope and faith. And it's like, Leah, have, you've never been this way before? No, I've never been this way before. Leah, I haven't seen a road sign in about six days. How about you? You know, like, there's, are, we, are we going the right way? She says, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, there's no GPS out there, especially at this, at this you know, this, that's almost 10 years ago. Like, we're, we're, just, we're just driving, we're driving. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where I'm going. And in my spirit, I'm going, Leah, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I don't, are we ever going to get there? Like, if it had been up to me, if I'd been driving... I would have turned around a long time before. I would have said, you know what? I don't trust this journey. I'm not so sure that this is the right path. I don't know that we're going the right way. If it had been up to me, I'd have just turned around and stayed where I was. But I put my faith and trust in, well, that's a weird way to say it. I let Leah drive. <laughs> and you know what? We eventually got there. And when we did, I had one of the highlight experiences of my life. Wouldn't trade it for the world. But if it had been up to me, I'd have turned around in my unbelief a long time before. I'm so glad I didn't let unbelief have the last word. Look, some of you are here today and you're defeated. When I said out of gas, you said that's me. And there is a God who can fill you up with strength. And some of you have been disappointed. You, you've maybe even let the cat in your outfield get the best of you. And today's the day to say, Jesus, this isn't the way that I thought it was gonna look, but I entrust this to you. Some of you have been disillusioned by God's people, by your own experience. And today, I feel the Holy Spirit calling you to step beyond that and say, Jesus, outside of my experience, and I'm not saying there's not places where there needs to be healing or reconciliation. I'm just saying today, don't let that keep you from what he wants to do in your life. And if you're here today and you would say, Jesus, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief, that's okay. Just don't let unbelief have the last word. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me if you would, please. And uh, whether you're in this room or you're watching this online, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Well, I really do believe that the Spirit is speaking to some people's hearts right now. This wasn't just a timeless truth from God's Word. This was a timely word for you. And today what God is speaking to your heart is do not let unbelief have the last word. 
And so we're in just a moment, we're, we're gonna take some time and pray a prayer of faith together. What we're really gonna do is just like this, this father in this story, we're gonna say, Jesus, I bring this to you. I bring this situation. I bring this circumstance. And I ask you to do what only you can do with it. And here's the reality. In that, you might have some disbelief. You might have some unbelief. You might not be so sure that you have the faith for it. But today's the day that I believe you can entrust that situation to him and watch and see what he does in your life. Now, look, I know this isn't possible for everyone. For for some of you, you're watching online and you're not here in this space right now. Maybe you're watching on television. You're not right here with us. For some of you, this might not physically be possible, even if you're in the room, for you to do this. But I'm, I'm gonna guess that for some of you, the best thing that you can do to take a step of faith, to get what's up here, it may be a moment where you need to step out there And today's a day where you need to say, Jesus, I trust you. And that you take a step of faith and say, Lord, help my unbelief. And so in just a moment, the worship team's gonna gonna sing. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And when I say amen, if you're here today and you would say, Jesus, I need to put this situation in your hands, I'm gonna encourage you to step out of your seat and to come and find a place just to stand down here. We'll spread out down here. And then in just a moment, we'll take kind of a, a moment to pray a prayer of faith. You say, Chad, why would I ever do that? in a room full of people. Why would I single myself out? Well, I think for two reasons. One is this, because sometimes a spiritual experience requires a physical step. Sometimes I've gotta take a step of faith, just like the guy in this story, to receive everything that God has from me. And the other reason is this, sometimes you you, you do something like that and you go, "I'm I'm not walking down there, everybody's gonna think there's something wrong with me. And can I tell you, you're in a room full of people, well, we're not gonna think something's wrong with you, we're gonna celebrate that things are gonna be right with you. And that God is working that out in your life. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. I know it's not everyone, but I'm sure it's someone that today you need to take a step of faith. You need to bring that child. You need to bring that job. You need to bring that diagnosis. You need to bring that thing to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe. Even if you need to say, help my unbelief and offer that to him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thanks that you speak to us. Lord, I know that right now in this moment, you are doing some things in people's lives that are special and unique and new. Maybe it's for the hundredth time or maybe it's for the first time that you're calling some of us to take a step of faith. Lord, to take our child, to take our circumstance, to take our lives and put this in your hands. So, Lord, in these next few moments, as we entrust ourselves to you, God, would you do what only you can do in our lives? Jesus, we focus on you with the words of this song, with the, with the attention of our hearts. And Jesus, we trust you to do something special in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to take a step of faith, I invite you to step out of your seats. Come and join us down peace, here. We'll pray together. Bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name still. Call the sea to still, the raging me to still. Every way at your name, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. 
at an altar like this why is that is that because the the closer you get to the stove the more you feel the heat no is it because you put yourself in some kind of emotionally vulnerable place no it's because in these moments you've got one focus and that's Jesus and in that moment you hone in in a way that is unique and special to say Jesus I take a step of faith and I put this in your hands So for all of us in this room, those of you that are watching on a screen somewhere, or maybe you're listening to this podcast, or let's go another step, just just especially those of you down here at the front, if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Because we're reaching out to him. And we're saying, Jesus, we put our faith and our trust and we believe in you. And God, you know every story that's represented here today. God, you know exactly where we're saying, Lord, we put this in your hands put our health in your hands and Lord we put our family in your hands we put our children in your hands and Lord we put our finances in your hands and Lord we with that place where we need our tank filled up with gas Holy Spirit right now would you just would you pour your energy would you pour your strength into our lives Lord for the one who's been disappointed in this moment Lord, would you give them a sense of just peace and confidence that can only come from you? Lord, for the one in this room who's standing here at the front, Lord, for the one who's watching this and has been disillusioned, right now, would you bring some healing to that? That in the end, it's not about people, that it's about Jesus. 
And Father, we do not want to let unbelief have the last word. So Lord, for the one who needs to persevere today, for the one who needs to hear you say, don't walk away, keep on going. It might get worse, but it's gonna get better. Would you encourage us to hold on, to put our trust in you? Lord, we believe. So would you help our unbelief? Lord, I pray right now you would speak life. Holy Spirit, that you would give strength. Lord, I pray that for some of us, this would be a turning point moment that our marriage, that our health, that our families, that our attitudes, that our faith will never be the same after the step we've taken today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thanks for how clearly you've spoken to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Look, for those of you, absolutely, yeah, let's give him praise today. I just think, when I think of this story, how many times that dad could have turned around and went the other way. Hang in there. Do not let unbelief have the last word. You trust in him and hold on to him. Keep him the focus of your life and watch and see the work that he can do. Team's gonna come. They're gonna lead us in that song again before we go to the next part of our service. I'll encourage those of you that are down here to head back to your seats. As you do, let's continue to worship the Lord together and thank him for what he does in our lives. Your name is a light that the shadows can't Die.